Hello, my name is Amir Bell, and welcome to the Overlooked Podcast. Today's episode is going to be about Leicester City's 2015-2016 Barclays Premier League title. Samir Bell, and welcome to the Overlooked Podcast, where I talk about the stories, the players, the coaches that I feel have been overlooked through the course of history. Today, I'm joined by Shane Evans, who's the manager of content programming for Bleacher Report Football and also an avid Leicester City fan. Uh, First off, thank you for coming to speak to me today. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about how you became a fan of Leicester City? Yeah, of course. Uh, I was actually, you may not be able to tell from the accent, but I was born in Leicester, so I've been a fan since since birth. Uh, I moved to the States when I was uh, nine or ten, so my accent faded. But I've been uh, a Foxes supporter for all <laughs> through the bad years and, and from the good ones too. So been quite a while. Awesome to hear. Um, I kind of wanted to start this interview off a little bit with a general statement that I kind of thought of. Um, so I was talking about, I was thinking about it, and I was saying sports kind of has this way of making us feel romantic and evoking a lot of emotions from us, and especially amongst English fans or mm-hmm. European football fans it's 10 times as hard because when you think about it, I went to a Dallas Cowboys game a couple of weeks ago and I could sit with Chargers fans. But if you ever go to an England fo- English football match, you can't sit with opposing fans. And so I feel like when a team like Leicester City breaks through and wins the title like that, it's especially more emotional and just more important. And especially given the climate in England with the big six and the financial ramifications and that sort of thing, it's just so much more special. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, no, I, uh, it's, it's just, it was such a kind of rare experience. Uh, Leicester obviously was, has not traditionally been one of those like big clubs in, in, in the UK, despite Leicester, the city itself being one of the bigger cities in the country. So it was always kind of like a really interesting balance of, um, you know, Leicester making to the Premier League and then like, you know, playing well against some of the big clubs and actually, you know, then going on to win the title. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's it was I mean, going into a little bit further, I was actually in England in Leicester when they won the title. So I got to like be there for the game and the parade and all that kind of stuff. And like even the while going the last game of the season, they played Everton, like the Everton fans there were applauding and like cheering for Leicester as well, like being part of that experience, which was so like such a great thing to see. Cause you don't really see that very much here. And it's even more kind of pronounced that the, the fans were kind of separated and you can kind of see those, that support. So um, yeah, it's just, it's just a really unique experience and like a unique um, atmosphere for a team like Leicester to go on and win the whole thing. For sure. Um, and so I kind of wanted to piggyback off that question with, can you talk a little bit about the years preceding that? Because I think those are oft overlooked when you're thinking about the course of that season. People mm-hmm. rarely talk about the scandal that happened the summer prior. People rarely talk about them being bottom of the table at December 2014 and kind of um, up. what's the striker's name? Leonardo Ujoa? Yep. I, did I get it right? Yep. Yes. And him and Jamie Vardy kind of bringing them back from the ashes. So can you talk a little bit about that and even gaining promotion the year prior? Yeah. So, you know, Lester has been, you know, over, I would say over the last 10 or 15 years has had pretty much the lowest lows and the highest highs mm-hmm. that you can have in English football. Um, 
in, uh, I think it was early, like 2010 or 11, I forget exactly which year, uh, the club was actually relegated to the third division of English football, which is the the first time in the history of the club. So over 125 years, they have never gone below the second division. So a real low point in the team's history. I, you know, had the unfortunate honor of being there on the last day that season when they got relegated. So it was just like such a a difficult thing to experience. And then, you know, mere two years later, they're back in the, um, back in the premier league for the first time in over a decade, they kind of like went right back to the championship and then right up to the premier league. Um, and you know, getting to the premier league for Leicester, you know, over the course of the two thousands was a really difficult and arduous journey. Like they got really close a bunch of times. They were in the playoffs and the championship and like, didn't quite make it had some really, some heartbreak. I was going to uh, say, everyone knows the Dean goal and yeah, that iconic of, moment, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the like most difficult sporting moments that I've ever had to experience was that, that Dean goal. Um, but Leicester got back to the premier league and, you know, no one was really expecting much for them that first season. And, you know, I think that kind of came to be right. They, you know, were in last place right around the end of the year, like Christmas time uh, and, you know, fought their way back and, and saved themselves another season in the Premier League, which we all know how that went the next season when they ended up winning the whole thing. So it was, you know, being a Leicester City fan and someone from Leicester and just knowing, you know, the the sporting culture in that city is much more rugby focused, quite mm-hmm. frankly, like the rugby team is really, really successful as one of the biggest clubs in the country. Um, and the, the, you know, the Foxes have always been kind of like second fiddle to that. Mm-hmm. So this was like such a, like a complete shift in that, in that paradigm when Leicester went on to win the Premier League and, you know, honestly, it's something I don't think will ever be replicated and something I'll be telling my my grandkids about <laughs> at some point in the future, I would imagine. Love it. Um, so I was also going to ask, too, when did you feel in the season that you thought Leicester was going to win it? Because I remember during the course of that year, early in the year, they started off kind of strong. Um, mm-hmm. We beat you guys 5-2 at the King Power. I remember yeah. that game. Vividly, yeah. and I was like, oh. Um, we might have a shot to win it because we were just coming off coming third. We had a really yep. strong team. We brought in Granite Jaka that summer. We yep. were kind of stronger. And yep. then all of a sudden, Jamie Vardy just goes ballistic. He has the mm-hmm. crazy scoring streak. And yep. all of a sudden, Leicester's top at Christmas. And yep. it just all seemed like it happened in a flash. Can you talk a little yeah. bit about when you thought they were going to win? Yeah. And, you know, to Arsenal's side of things, the only team that beat us home and away that year was Arsenal. So that and was even well um, back in the 90th minute. That was yeah, an iconic yeah. game. Yeah, that was a great <laughs> game. And that was that was when I was like, because I was like hope uh, thinking that they could win it at that point. And then I was like, oh, maybe this I'm just wishful thinking. <laughs> um, but I think the big the big moment for a lot of Leicester fans that year was the Man City game uh, when they played away and won. I think it was three nil or three one. I have like a whole poster over here on my you can't see it on my wall, but uh, <laughs> where Mars had that you know crazy goal that. that, yep. that and it just, you know, one was expecting that result to go the way it did. People were, you know, assuming that like, okay, this is like the toughest challenge of the season. They're away at like Man City. Like there's no way that Leicester can win, let alone like put in a result that's going to stamp them as like the favorites for the title. And they went and just dominated the game. Um, and people, you know, myself included, like walked away from it. Like, like I was in shock and I was like, can this happen? Like, is this gonna, actually going to happen? Um and yeah, it, it kind of went on to be the the kind of the focal point of the season in a lot of ways. It's awesome. So for one of my one of my little talking points as well, I kind of pinpointed five pieces or major, I'd say major pieces that I kind of just wanted to talk about a little bit. First off, sure. um, the late Vichai, the owner, 
Um, yeah, yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah. And can you just talk a little about what he meant to the club? Of course, he was probably one of the most behind Roman Abramovich. He was probably one of the most recognizable owners in the Premier League just with his involvement with the club and with the ground. And can you talk a little bit about what he meant, um, especially over the course of that season as well? Yeah, and I think, you know, the impact of that, of our ownership group, like, obviously huge in that season, but it, it kind of stretches back to when they bought the club, right? Like, mm-hmm. they just changed the whole culture. They changed the the perception of what success was, what they what the expectations were, um, you know, how they treated, like, the fans and, like, the game day experience, like, was completely different than how things had been done at the club prior to that. Um and that kind of took a couple of years to like really set in and like really kind of take hold of the, of the club all up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, obviously still being felt today, even with this passing, but the, the structure of just like fan first experience, you know, buying players that were at the height of their career, but also, or like working towards the height of their career and like, you know, on good value and things like that, and just really running the business as a business, but also a business that like put people first. And I think that really kind of impacted the entire club and, and allowed, you know, players, coaches, fans, staff, whomever to like really believe that anything was possible, just given, you know, the right leadership and the right direction. And that's kind of what came to be. I also wanted to talk a little bit about um, Claudio Ranieri as well. Um, Of course he was, he'd had some managerial jobs in the past. He'd kind of been all over the place, but this was his first real, kind of breakthrough and success as a manager. And mm-hmm. of course he's kind of, after in the post luster years, he's kind of bounced around a little bit as well, but this was kind of the defining year. And I kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on him as well, because when I remember this would have been my sophomore year in high school, I remember when you guys had just played, I want to say Sevilla in the champions league, yep. you guys beat them in the round of 16. Um, yep. And he had just gotten sacked and it was kind of a big uproar because he kind of brought you guys to glory a little bit. And I felt, in my personal opinion, that he was getting sacked a little too early. But I wanted to hear from a Leicester fan, because obviously I'm a neutral. I don't know how people in the Midlands were feeling. I don't even know how Leicester supporters were feeling. So I just wanted to hear your opinion on him and kind of what he meant to the club as well. Yeah, no, I I think it's funny because when he was hired, everyone was, you know, a a lot of people were very surprised that he was the guy that was was chosen. And like, as you said, like he's, he's always been... Uh, a manager who kind of like finished second best and like never actually got the title. Like when he was with Chelsea, like was, you know, he passed on that team to Mourinho and then Mourinho kind of won everything. And, and like, was, was never really like the focal point. Um, so, you know, people were down on him for that. And, you know, it's one of those situations where he kind of came in and was just like the perfect fit for the group and like worked with the personalities, worked with the, the ownership group really well. And like created this, this atmosphere that was kind of like, unparalleled at the, at the time in the game um, and was just really successful because of it. And I think, you know, his passing and like his kind of like, not his, not his passing, like his leaving the club or being kind of uh, sacked by the club. Like th- I think there was a point where it just kind of like things kind of like reality set in, like the expectations were, you know, brought really high from winning the title. And then, you know, there was a, you know, some struggles in the years after that. And, you know, I think that's kind of just natural to the game and, and was something that was inevitable. Um you know, regardless of who he was. And it's, I think it's always made more difficult when you like relieve someone of their duties, who's like had this miraculous event happen and like led that. Uh, but at the same time, like, you know, 
it's it's a it's a it's a business it's a sport and these kinds of things are just part of the game and you just have to accept that and i think you know for all intents and purposes like he understood that and and continues to given his recent uh changes in jobs and things like that so for sure for sure and then lastly from a player standpoint yeah. um i kind of pinpointed four players obviously mm -hmm. a title is a team effort but in every title winning side there's going to be some major stars that kind of break out and so i'm gonna start with three first um, and kind of, I want to hear your thoughts about him. So N'Golo Kante, Riyad Mahrez, yep. and then Kasper Schmeichel. And then lastly, I want to talk about Jamie Vardy because his whole story, just from him going from non-league to being a national hero and making the team of the Euros that summer is just, it's amazing. And so I just talked about Kante, Schmeichel and Mahrez first, and then we can kind of talk about Vardy a little later. Yeah, no. So, I mean, the, those first three, I think you're, you're right on right on on point there like they had such in, integral in kind of places in that team um obviously we've seen N'Golo Conte go on to like great success with not only Chelsea but like the French national team like you know multiple trophies on that front and and he was kind of central to a lot of that success and you can kind of see why and I think you know even you know tying him to Mars a little bit like they were both recruited like really kind of low exposure low press like no one was really talking a lot about those guys when Leicester brought them in you know which is i think a testament to the fox's great recruiting process mm -hmm. um, but very kind of like under the radar signings that were kind of plucked out of the lower uh, leagues in france and just really you know acted as these cornerstones of this incredible team um you know content kind of running things through the middle i think you know steve walsh the guy who recruited him or, or brought him into Leicester, like one of the famous things he said was like you know i played danny Drinkwater in the middle and conte on either side and like <laughs> it's incredible to, to think that because like you know he's a five foot seven five foot six holding midfielder who just floating <laughs> around and doesn't you know doesn't ever relent and i think that's something that any kind of successful team needs is that kind of person that you know that player in the middle who can really create but also you know covers so much ground and it has that influence on the whole team mm -hmm. uh, and then you know Mara's even more so like he was way uh cheaper of a signing like i think conte was like five or six million and, and Mara's was like four hundred thousand pounds or something like that um so like a real kind of like you know diamond in the rough kind of situation and he brought to the the team this just like fluid um you know, like expressive, creative brand of football that like just dovetailed so well with Vardy's influence in the middle and, and, you know, the freedom he was given with kind of the balance of the team, like just worked out so perfectly. Um, mm -hmm. And he's gone on again to have, you know, great success at Man City. And it's just a testament, I think, to Leicester's, you know, recruitment and development process on, on those two guys in particular. Um, <clears throat> And then Casper, obviously, you know, he's been around for quite a while. He's a Leicester legend, will always be a Leicester legend. You know, he's cap, you know, captain of the team now and has, you know, racked up the appearances. I think he's over 400 or 450 or something now, which is incredible. Um, so, yeah, it's just been great to see him kind of come along from like the you know early 20s goalkeeper to now to be like one of the most recognizable faces in the game. And he's, you know, he's he has had the added the added challenge of like having his famous father to kind of, you know, deal with and have him over his shoulder, you know, you know, always kind of being compared to him. Um, but some of what he's done in the recent years, you know, Leicester have added an FA cup, a community shield, you know, playing in the champions league, Europa league, whatnot. That has like cemented his legacy within our club, but also in the premier league as a whole. So Casper uh, has just been 
one of those you don't really imagine Leicester City in this like era of the club without him being involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just a, a huge part of the club, and then that season was was outstanding. And so lastly, um, Jamie Vardy, the star. It's a Vardy party. That's what everyone likes to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I remember just, so this season was my freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I was young and I just remember turning on NBC Sports Network every Saturday mm-hmm. to see usually the big game, the marquee game is probably United Spurs, something like that. A man's yeah. one of the big six clubs, but Leicester was getting all this TV time. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was November when Vardy scored the goal against United to break the streak and just talk a little bit about one, the scoring streak, but two, just Vardy's impact on that team being a leader. Um, obviously he's English, so he's going to kind of get a lot of the media plaudits and that sort of thing. And just talk about his story a little bit. Yeah. I mean, there, there's hard, to, it's hard to like put together a story or like replicate a story or have any even parallels to Vardy's story just in his career, mm-hmm. you know, started as a non-league player, which, you know, it's hard to make that comparison to like American sports, right? Because it's, it's impossible to, it's impossible. I mean, he's seven levels down in the, like the pyramid, as far as like leagues lower than where they are now that like where he was signed from or five or six when he was signed to Leicester. It's like a $1 million or 1 million pound signing, which people are like, how are we paying this much for a player who isn't even technically in the, like the football league pyramid? Like he was outside of that. Um, so people were, were, you know, Leicester City fans, myself, we were like stunned. Like, who, who is this guy? Um, and he's he, he, a lot of his career is just a testament to, you know, believing in yourself, like dedication in your craft and and having that like, you know, cutthroat mentality where you're just going to go out and like run a million miles an hour, cause trouble uh, and, and create these opportunities for yourself. And, and he has the finishing ability to make it make them count. Um, you know, one of my favorite probably my favorite Vardy goal and one of my favorite Leicester city games of the last, you know, decade, two decades, whatnot, is that uh, the beginning of the, their first season, in the premier league, they beat Manchester United five, three, mm-hmm. um, like I come from behind when they were down three, one, they won five, three Vardy scores the goal to put him up four, three. And like, he kind of like announced himself to the league at that point. Uh, and everything about that performance, like Vardy in particular, was, you know, harassing the defenders running, down loose balls, getting into good spots and just like being like merciless with your, uh, kind of attack. And like that has like lived, (laughs) lived on in his career for the last, you know, five, six, seven, eight years. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he's, you know, received the, 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 the plots for him. He's golden boot winner. He's, he's scoring goals still this season at 34. Um, and yeah, just, it's like such such an integral part of that team. And, And you can really point to, to Vardy, but like, his relationship with Mares, with his relationship with Drinkwater, and then Conte, and like all these different pieces kind of fit together so nicely. But Vardy was like kind of the tip of that spear that really kind of like thrust Leicester forward. And you know his run of um, you know eleven straight game scoring was like very like very kind of you know part of that story. In that like it was all about determination. It was all about like never taking the foot off the gas. And like that's what makes him special. It's just someone who's always going one hundred and ten percent. Like. 150 miles an hour. Uh, and, you know, in a lot of ways you could say he like propelled the team to the, to the title just with his unrelenting uh, abilities and, and, and personality. For sure. I was going to say too, um, 
you know, do you remember the quote as well? Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it on here because this is for school, but chat, ask, get. Yeah, yeah. Remember that? Yeah, I was yeah. so iconic. I just remember being young and yeah. playing soccer growing up. I really say chat, ask, get, be, be yeah. sure, get bang because that yeah. was Jamie Vardy's kind of persona. He was kind of this fun, um, he was kind of like the common man a little bit. He was yeah. kind of like, he wasn't this larger than life. Like Paul Pogba likes to live this rock star life. Jamie Vardy was like a common, common Englishman. Yeah. He was just a normal guy. He was just like us. And so, um Jamie Vardy is definitely one of he's one of those opposing players I just like just because he's slow he's pacey striker he's fun to watch he's just he's just a fun player yeah and the he last, oh sorry no that was just the last point of Vardy I mean he like he is the common man like there's there's pictures of him being interviewed by like students at like the side of a like a pitch that is like got like holes in the net and stuff like that, like in his early part of his career. And he's like worked his way up and like gave people belief and, and pl young players belief that like, no matter what level you're playing at, like you can make it to the the big time. And like, he even started a, an academy that is kind of centered around that. Like the, the I think the Jamie Vardy Academy, or, or I'm not exactly sure what it's called, but like that is all about like bringing in players who are, you know, don't get the looks from the big clubs and like, but have the potential um so yeah nothing nothing but good things to say about Vardy he's he's gonna go down as not only a, a Leicester City legend but like a legend of the Premier League uh just because of the impact he's had like the goals we've scored are you know uh, you know higher than Drogba and, and like all these like big names Ronaldo up until before he signed to Man United again so um yeah just an unreal uh unreal story and I can't wait till the movie comes out whenever that happens I love it so lastly to kind of close out I just want to hear your thoughts on the direction of the club going forward under Brendan Rodgers, you guys have kind of had, or after those two tough years under Shakespeare and Puel, you guys mm -hmm. kind of dropped off a little bit, but now under Brendan Rodgers, you're seeing a resurgence. Um, new stars are kind of breaking out. Pats and Daka comes to mind, James Madison, yep. players like that. And so I just kind of want to hear your thoughts on the club now and the direction you think you're going. Um, obviously a title is something that's extremely hard to replicate, especially if you don't have, um middle eastern owners like newcastle yeah. and man city and you don't have 500 million pounds being pumped into your club every year and so um i just want to hear your thoughts on the direction of the club yeah I, i'm really excited i you know you could have asked me 10 years ago if i would be happy with where the club is now and like i would be like ecstatic with where we are i mean <laughs> you know the getting to the premier league was always the goal even you know, in the early 2000s when there's a lot of struggles, you know, getting back to the Premier League was the goal and like sustaining that. So obviously, you know, you can take out the success of winning the Premier League, keeping in the Premier League and keeping competitive in the top third of the league has always been kind of our, you know, North Star, so to speak. And like that is kind of where we are right now. And like there's no signs of that changing. I think Leicester is a legitimate big club. Uh, they're expanding the stadium that, you know, the ownership group is, is invested, you know, Unfortunately, you know, on the level of the tragedy, like we'll always be connected to the club, but then just from a ownership standpoint, like that will continue, you know, with, with Kunvichai's son. And like, that's going to be part of the future of the club as well. So mm -hmm. having that kind of stability and that management, the development like of the players, like the new Lesser just opened like a brand new training facility last year, which is like probably, you know, top one or two or three in the entire country. Um, which is another like sign of like good things to come. So I'm, I'm really kind of excited about what's going to happen in the future. I mean, we just won the FA cup last year. There's, mm -hmm. there's definitely room 
for us to like build on the successes we've had. And, you know, we've missed out on the Champions League a couple of times, but the, the way that the club is set up, I think is just so positive and so, you know, provides so much encouragement to a fan like me and someone who gets to cover the club as well. So, um, yeah, I think just nothing but good things. I'm really excited for what will happen. And, uh, yeah, Leicester are, are, I think, set up pretty well. I kind of wanted to say something, too, about one of the last points you just made. Um, when you were talking about how Steve Walsh and his scouting and that sort of thing mm-hmm. and how he's tapping into these unknown players, I shouldn't say yeah. unknown, but lesser known players. Yeah. Um, one of the most quiet storylines over the course of that season was how Riyad Mahrez kind of gave Leicester a huge African said North African fan base due to him being Algerian. Um, And so a lot of Algerians, kind of how we're seeing with Liverpool and Egyptians now, a lot of Egyptians like Liverpool because of the influence of Mo Salah and that sort of thing. And um, Patsendak is Zambian, correct? Zambian, right? So kind of how there's a lot of African Leicester fans now due to having these African stars like Daka and Mm -hmm. Mares and that sort of thing. And so that's that was always something that was interesting to me too. Yeah, and, and Ian Acho as well is another one. Oh, yep. Nigerian and, and, and Didi as well as Nigerian. And like mm-hmm. um it even goes beyond like to the point where like the ownership group is is they're from Thailand. So mm-hmm. you know they own a, a huge stake in like duty-free business at airports. So they've been putting like Leicester shops in airports and like the profile of the club has definitely increased over the last few years. And I think it's it became really good timing too when they won the, the league it was only a couple years after NBC kind of gained the the rights to kind of broadcast the games in the US. So mm-hmm. the exposure to the US fan was growing at that point and then obviously you know they kind of got the, got the crash course in Leicester City over 2 years. So um I think yeah just a lot of a lot of really good positives um things that you wouldn't have like me as a fan in the early 90s would never have expected this. So it's just like such a, a great story and something great to see for for a you know a really great working class town that believes in its club and its players and is super diverse and like a really great place to live. Um, but now like the world kind of has the eyes on, on that uh, town as well. So I'm just glad to see it. Especially um, given the financial, the financial surrounding English football and that sort of thing, yeah. just yeah. how much it, you, you were saying you were disappointed you missed out on the champions league, but you have to think even for some teams outside of that big six, making European football is still so important because of how much money you get. I mean, you think about Wigan winning the FA Cup in 2013 mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. how much money they got. A Fulham making it to the Europa League final in, yeah. I want to say 2011, but yeah. just the money that they got from that and how important that is, especially with the TV deals in the Premier League and how lucrative they are. Yeah, um, yeah. Just the money you get from those sort of things. So it's extremely important. Yeah, it's definitely solidifying the club's place, and you know the ownership group. They're no, uh, they're they're not struggling by any stretch uh, as far as their kind of uh, checkbooks. So that definitely helps as well. Um, but regardless, I think it's all kind of a combination of like putting the money in the right places, investing in the right players, um, investing in the club and the fans. You know, the I will say is like kind of a small anecdote, like the fan experience and just the way that the fans are treated by the owners, like they give out, they have free beer days and like they have, you know, all kinds of like game experience, you know, like little clappers and signs and giveaways and all kinds of stuff. And that is rarer than you think, uh, especially in the UK. So when that was kind of brought in and and really um, honed by the club and, and continued, you know, the buy-in has just been overwhelming. And I think that's only going to get stronger as we go forward. 
Sure. Thank. Well, first off, thank you for your time today. And then before you leave, where do you think you guys are going to finish in the table this year? Oh, wow. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. It's been a, kind of a, a rough start, but, um, you know, the league is, I think we're, it's a really interesting season this year because there's so much balance as far as like, you know, Arsenal's back, Tottenham's still going to be strong. Everton has, hasn't been great lately, but they'll, they'll be in the mix. And then you know, West Ham has been a huge upstart. Like there's a lot of competition this year, more so than I think, you know, definitely when we won the league, but, you know, even the years prior, uh, more recently. Um, so I would say, you know, I'm, I would be happy with a kind of a five, six, seven kind of finish. I think that's reasonable if we can kind of turn things around and get healthy. I think our, our team has been banged up quite a bit this year. So that's kind of be the, kind of be the top priority going forward. Thank you, Shane. Have a great rest of your weekend. Yeah, you too. Take care.